This is your host, Alex, and I'm reaching out today to let you guys know up front that we did have some technical difficulties recording my audio feed, and as a result, the audio quality is a little bit less than it usually is. So I hope you bear with us because this is a great episode, a nice goodbye to 2020 that I really enjoyed recording, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to. Goodbye to all that pop breaks after party for our favorite shows. Hey, you're saying goodbye not to a series, but to the year 2020. We will be breaking down the year that was by discussing our favorite new and returning series and some of the year's biggest TV surprises. Joining me today to shine some positive rays on an otherwise terrible year, I'm happy to welcome a person who watches even more TV than I think I do, Justin of the YouTube channel, Justin Watches Movies. How are you today, Justin? I'm doing good. Thank you for uh, joining me or having me join you on uh, your podcast. I enjoyed talking about uh, the Zac Efron show a while ago, um, and I'm excited to talk about all the the great shows I watched this year, um, all of the streaming services. So I think it should be pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely in the year of the streaming service, so I think it's yeah. going to pop up a lot on our in our conversation. Um, for people who haven't uh, listened to, who don't listen to the show regularly, uh, you might not remember that Justin, as he mentioned, was on this uh, podcast a couple months ago, back over the summer, uh, where we reviewed the Netflix uh, Zac Efron travel documentary series, Down to Earth. Um, So that was really fun having you on talking about that. Uh, It's one of our most successful episodes of the podcast. So really appreciate you coming on for that. I think a lot of people enjoyed that discussion. So I'm excited to to now, like I said, shine some light on some of uh, your other favorite shows of the year, because I know you liked that one quite a bit. Um, Yeah, I did. (laughs) We're going to start out by talking about our favorite new series. Now, uh, there's also going to be a category coming up later in the show, Best Limited Series. Uh, For people who don't realize the difference between the two, a new show is obviously just a brand new show that hasn't aired before, whereas the limited series is specifically like, they used to call it a mini series. It's a show that kind of has like a set end point. Now, of course, some limited series are very successful and end up getting a second season anyway, like Big Little Lies on HBO a few years ago. But for the most part, they're telling kind of self-contained stories. A lot of times they're adaptations of books, things like that. Um, whereas a new show, obviously, if it goes well, it always is intended to get a second season. So we're going to start out with our best new show of the year. And I'm really curious. I know for your for your YouTube channel, you review a lot of new shows that are that are premiering. So I'm really curious what your favorite new show of the year was for 2020. Yeah. Um, so like this year, I even before uh, COVID and quarantine, uh, I decided in January that I'm going to like mainly focus on streaming services and uh, like Netflix and HBO Max and Hulu. And so I kind of really just start to watch whatever came out and good or bad, foreign or something I was not interested in. I checked it out. And one of the series that really, really uh, surprised me, and it's not the surprising one, but it's one that I really liked. It's called Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. It's a DreamWorks animated series, 
And to my surprise, like they got three seasons in one year done. And uh, the first season came out in January. Then we had one in June. And then the last season came out in October. And uh, I, I kind of was a bit hesitant at first with, first with it since it's like a, a DreamWorks animated series on television. But to my surprise, like the story was really good. It's about this young girl um, who lives in this world underground and um, above the land are these huge beasts. And she's trying to find her mother and her father. And she comes across like giant monkeys and talking frogs and there's just a really interesting story within there. And there's a lot of uh, big twists and turns for her and her family and uh, things that I really did not see coming. And I really did enjoy it. Every single season was better than the previous. And it's like a lot of emotional moments for the characters, a lot of gripping action and probably one of the better things I've seen from DreamWorks in years. I'm huge on animation. I love checking out like animated movies and, series on netflix and wherever it may be but kipo is one that always impressed me with how many seasons they put out with one year a lot of shows do not put out multiple seasons in one year but to do it put three seasons out in one year is really impressive and each season had a really good story within it and really cool characters great animation overall is one of my favorite series new series from this year that's great. I actually, it's so funny that you bring this up. I had never heard of this show before, and I was just talking to a friend of mine uh, just today who's a huge animation fan, and he we were talking about like some of the highlights in the year of animation, and he brought this up as like one of his absolute favorite shows of the year. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, I don't even, I never even knew that was a show. So then it's great to hear from you that it yeah. actually is as good as he said it was. <laughs> well, when I reviewed it in January, it was one of my more successful videos. And I was like, no one's really talking about it. And then the second season came out in June and everybody was talking about how good the show was. And then it ended in October. And by that time, a lot of people were on board with it, talking about it, tweeting about it. And like I said, not many shows can do multiple seasons in one year but to put three seasons out i was it was i was glad with that because i got to check all of them out within a year instead of waiting like another year for another season yeah now did you find that the show progressed in its quality over the course of those three seasons or do you think it kind of like started out at a very high quality and maintained it over that amount of time I mean, the quality for the animation was steady throughout, but the quality, like the progression of the story, um, they introduced new things. I don't want to spoil because there's a lot of things that I was pleasantly surprised with, but um, there's a lot of things where you think of one character and who they are, but you learn more about them in the upcoming season, and it really changes your idea about who they are and what they stand for, and it kind of dives deep into this world that she's in and these wonder beasts and her family and um, these people who can turn into animals. And there's a lot of the story with that. And I was really impressed with the storytelling and how the characters progressed and kind of grew into their own. And we got to really understand them and who they are and watch them grow as characters over the three seasons. That sounds fantastic. And now I, I'm just doing a little bit of research. I see that this is actually a co-production between DreamWorks Animation and the South Korean uh, animation studio, Studio Mir. Um, and people may know them 
for uh, being responsible for not just Netflix shows like Voltron Legendary Defender, but also the extremely popular Legend of Korra. So I'm honestly now knowing kind of where the background is, not at all surprised to hear that they are able to produce something at that high level yeah. because there's no show that I've heard more better things about than The Legend of Korra over the yeah. years when it comes to I have not, I have not seen that. Um, but I've heard the things that I've heard about it are truly amazing. Yeah. And it's all on, it's all on uh, Netflix now, I believe, which is, which was a yeah. very exciting thing that happened this year. Yeah. That's, I feel the same way. I never, I kind of like missed the boat on air, like the last airbender and Korra, um, which are two shows kind of like interlinked. I think one is like the sequel or a prequel of the other. Um, they're both so well regarded and I just, it was one of those things where it kind of like, it missed me when it first came out and then it was very hard to find and have access to afterwards. So now it's all sitting there on Netflix for everyone to watch. So I guess if you're a fan of those shows, definitely check out, uh, Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts. Um, now as for me, my favorite new show of the year, uh, I talked about, and I will say, um, people who listen to Pop Break TV, the feed, and listen to all of our content on there, you'll know that uh, recently on the TV Break podcast, which I co-host with Bill Bodkin and Josh Ternacki, uh, we did our year-end uh, special, and I talked about some of my favorite shows of the year there, and so there will be a little bit of overlap, but I'm going to be bringing kind of two shows to every one of our categories today as a way to kind of offset that a little bit. So the, my favorite, absolute favorite, best new show of the year is definitely Freeform's Everything's Gonna Be Okay, uh, which was created by Josh Thomas, who people might know from his Australian series, Please Like Me. Um, I talk about it in depth on that other podcast. So I won't get into too much, but I will say that this series, uh, it has just a tremendous uh, balance of humor and heart that really, really draws me in as as a viewer. Uh, it's a series that is about uh, Josh Thomas. He plays this guy. He's like in his early 30s. He's gay. He it has comes from this kind of eccentric sort of family situation where he grew up in Australia with his mom. His dad left when he was young, moved back to America where he kind of like started a new life and had two uh, daughters. Uh, his wife passed away. And then the show kind of starts out where uh, this father uh, is terminally ill and is about to die. And so informs Josh Thomas this and tells him that he's going to be the caregiver for uh, the girls who are now teenagers, um, and one of which is on the autism spectrum um, and played by an actress who is also on the autism spectrum as well. Um, and it just kind of becomes this sort of dramedy about this um, unconventional family, the dealing with all of the complexity of grief and loss and disability and um, and like emo the emotions of just being a teenager and having friends and all of that stuff. It's it's just such a it's such a sensitive and funny and well observed show uh, that not enough people have seen. It's on Freeform. It's a, it also can be seen in the U.S. on Hulu. Uh, all of Freeform shows kind of go to Hulu the next day, so easy to catch up with it there um and i really really recommend it uh justin have you seen or heard of this show before i have not seen i've not heard of it either and i'm looking it up now and the way that you've described it it sounds like something that i would be interested in checking out and actually i uh, just got hulu uh for their black friday deal they had it for like 
really, really cheap. And so now I'm just kind of going through and seeing what's on there. And so I haven't really had any top priorities so far for Hulu content. But if it is on there, then it's something I would be interested in checking out. Yeah, I think that based on the things that I've seen you review, um, I definitely think that you would enjoy it. And it's really, it's like, if you like character studies, if you like shows that have a kind of fun balance between heart and humor, it's just, it's just so great. And it's, and Mm -hmm. it's the type of show where it's just, you never really, it doesn't follow a conventional plot structure. It doesn't follow a conventional, like a sitcom sort of vibe. So you just really never know what you're going to get every episode. Um, But it's just so rewarding. And I really, really like it. Um, I've, it came out at the beginning of the year and I've just spent my whole year trying to convince people to check it out. And everyone who I've successfully convinced has been very impressed with it. So yeah, I hope everybody check it out. Is it, is it only one season? Only one season so far, but it was renewed for a second. I believe it's supposed to be coming. Second season should be coming out sometime next year, you know, with the production delays and stuff like that. Who knows how that'll work out, but it is supposed to be coming back for a second season. But honestly, even if it ended in season one, it's just like a perfect like season of tv so it would it would be able to stand on its own awesome now another show that i'm going to talk about my second favorite new show of the year um has to be the netflix series never have i ever uh now justin you've been reviewing a lot of netflix shows have you seen this one yes i have okay so this is of course created by uh lang fisher and mindy kaling people might know mindy kaling from the mindy project or the office or some of her movie work um, it's basically this story about this young teenage girl who's Indian. She's from California. She's like very hyper competitive. She also like has dealt with trauma uh, recently uh, in the fact that her father died in front of her during a uh, recital. Um, that makes it seem really, really depressing. I promise this is extremely fun and funny and light. And, and it's just like this great sort of coming of age high school comedy that it just, I feel like, in another world, this would have been a movie and everybody would have gone out and seen it. It's like kind of like 10 Things I Hate About You or like one of those things. Um, but because we live in 2020, it gets to be a Netflix show. Um, and I think it's better for it because we really get to spend time with all of the ca- like variety of characters. Um, mm. And uh, I just love this show. It's so funny. It's so, it's so relatable. It lets uh, our main uh, character be complicated and like messy and wrong sometimes um, and has faith that the audience would turn against her and uh, and I think it just pays off so well it's such a great ensemble and it's just and it's so funny and relatable and ultimately very I thought and I'd be curious what you think about the end of the first season but I thought that it was a very satisfying end and I'm excited to see what happens in season two what do you think about this show uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, and I was super happy that it did get renewed for a second season. But you're, you're, what you said is kind of how all I felt about it. Uh, there was a lot of times where I did laugh. And there's a lot of times where I felt like it was so interesting to watch this character grow. And the end, like you said, is very satisfying. I, I remember now that we're all kind of just talking about it. Uh, I remember sitting there watching the last few minutes of the the last episode and and crying like it was very emotional, um, yeah. but in in a a nice way, not like a like a very very sad way. But it was uh, I really did enjoy the show. Like I laughed a lot, and it's a character I fell in love with. And uh, immediately after that series ended, the first season, 
I wanted a second season. I wanted to see more of this girl in her life and everything that she was doing and the side characters, all of it just really came together to be one of the best shows that I did see this year too. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I just think that it's like, because they allow the characters to be so fully fleshed out real people with like, you know, complicated emotions and they get to be silly and they get to be sad and they get to be angry and they get to be defensive. It it just, you just get so sucked in and attached to them that when you finally get that moment in the, in the final episode of like real catharsis, um, people who haven't seen the show, I really recommend you doing so. But if you haven't sort of, there becomes a sort of rift between the main character who is a 16 year old girl um, and her mother who is always very hard on her um, and obviously they are kind of dealing with the absence of the father in the home who has passed away the year prior and eventually that kind of rift becomes a chasm and and it becomes very upsetting they, 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 it seems like maybe they won't be able to make it as a family in a way and then they have this beautiful moment at the beach where they scatter the father's ashes and and they really kind of come together finally um and it just it just means so much because they've done such an excellent job building the characters and making them people that you can care about and feel connected to and it just it really blew me away i had i had kind of an expectation of it sort of being along the lines of like to all the boys i loved before and like that sort of like netflix ya vibe which is like fun and light and you know it's like not it's good but it has a ceiling and this just so exceeded my expectations in that regard yeah i was really impressed with it and i i didn't really play the connection um but her the the father in the series um we we mentioned that he's no longer in the series uh, in the season but he actually plays mindy kaling's um boyfriend later on in the office towards the end of the series Oh, interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. I'm not a I'm not a big office person, so I didn't I didn't know him from that, but that the actor in question is uh Sandil uh Ramamarthi, and a lot of people might know him from his role as Mohinder on uh Heroes, which was like this gigantic show like yeah, <laughs> almost 20 years ago now. Oh my god. <laughs> but that show came out in, when I was in high school and I just remember it just like ate the world for a year and then everybody was just like forgot about it. <laughs> but he <laughs> but I'll always think of him when I when I I'll always think of that show when I see him. Yeah. Um, and he also, if people who watch uh, The Flash on the CW, he he was kind of like a a season long villain for the first half of uh, of the most recent Flash season. So um, that was a so he had a very busy twenty uh, twenty. <laughs> yeah. But um, okay, so that kind of that that is ends the new show. Um, segment and now we can move right into best limited series um so as we've said these are series that are kind of like their mini series but they did change the name to limited series to give people a little bit of flexibility for returning for a second season if it's popular and things like that um and so i'm curious justin what was your favorite limited series of 2020 and uh, i had to kind of really think about this because looking at some of the limited series i feel like i didn't see a lot of them um i know like the queen's gambit was huge on netflix and uh i I didn't get a screener for that so i didn't get to check that out uh right away but one that i i thought was a great uh limited series and i think it's renewed for a second season is the great from hulu um with um i'm blanking on her name 
Um, L. Fanning. Yeah, L. Fanning. Um, and I thought that show was so, so bizarre, so funny uh, with Nicholas <laughs> Holt in it. Um, it just, it took a turn so many times in the series that it just really caught me off guard. Um, I'm really into shows that put a lot of effort into their costume designs and the set designs and trying to make it as believable as possible. Um, and the show managed to succeed in that department. I thought like the costume designs and the setting and the location and how they made the sets all looked really fantastic. But L Fanning and Nicholas Holt are really good in here, especially Nicholas Holt. He's a, He's very vile and a character that you hate, but you just want to see more of. And Elle Fanning's really good in the show as well. Um, it's a it's a really intense show. It's really funny. Um, it's something that you just like. Like I was glued to the screen when watching it. I laughed so much, um, and I wanted to see Elle Fanning's like journey um, in the show and watching her progress as a character. And um, at the time, I thought it was a limited series, but it did get renewed for a second season, and I'm really excited for it um it's one of my favorite shows i think on hulu because it did come out on hulu and i really didn't start watching hulu shows until i actually think the great was one of the first ones i watched on hulu this year and so i started to watch hulu over the summer um and i just that was one of the first ones i watched and i was like this is like the best one i've seen on hulu this year yeah, Hulu had a tremendous 2020, in my opinion. They I think did. That it, it, it had so many. So on its own, it had a lot of good series, and it also had the FX on Hulu partnership with people, which people might not know, where a certain amount of high-profile FX series that were originally developed to air on FX networks uh, ended up debuting on Hulu, and then uh, all of the FX series that were on FX and FXX. Uh, were kind of given to Hulu uh, the day after they air. So they would premiere on, on FX and then the next day would be available on Hulu. And the same thing for Freeform. So Hulu, really worth your while in terms of uh, the, the Black Friday deal that you got. Um, yeah. I definitely think it's one, of the, it's one of the best streamers out there. They're really up to their game this year. And that doesn't even touch their extensive TV library. Their movie library is a little bit uh, up and down, but their TV yeah. library is second to none. So a <laughs> really, really great year for Hulu um, as it kind of enters the the Disney fold in this last yeah. year. Of <laughs> well, towards the end um, of the year in October, they had put out a bunch of like Halloween type movies um, mm -hmm. and they had Monster Land, which was pretty big. And they had that movie Run and it just seemed like for a few months there, they were re doing really good with their content um, with Animaniacs, too. Um, but I think out of all the ones, Solar Opposites, uh, out of all the shows I did see on Hulu, The Great was by far my favorite. Yeah. And now, The Great is a show that I also watched as well. It's created by Tony McNamara, who wrote the screenplay for The Favorite, uh, which is a movie. I don't know. Did you see that? It came out in 2018. Yeah, I saw so many similarities between that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, they're both very sort of irreverent takes on the period piece, right? I think that uh, the favorite is a lot um, darker and, and more sort of sinister than the than the great, which I think kind of, it plays in uh, a little bit of a broader tone than the favorite does. <laughs> um, 
but it worked in a lot of ways. I really, I enjoyed it. I kind of, because of the favorite, I had very high expectations for it and it didn't quite meet those, but I fully mm-hmm. agree with you that Elle Fanning is fantastic. It's one of her best performances. And Nicholas Holt as just this like completely sort of oblivious, like awful narcissistic king uh, was truly maybe like the most effective comedic performance of the year. <laughs> So I definitely, I definitely agree with this take of like talking about it on this show because I think that um, for them alone it was worth watching. Yeah. Um. So as for me, my favorite uh, limited series uh, are a little bit more serious, unfortunately. Um, in that uh, it's my it for best limited series, my very favorite of all of them uh, was HBO's I May Destroy You, which was created by um, Michaela Cole. It kind of came out over the summer and sort of dominated. Uh, It's not just my favorite limited series of the year. It's my favorite series of the year. If it was a movie, it would be my favorite movie of the year. (laughs) It's just tremendous. Have you seen this at all? Have you gotten a chance to watch it? No, I haven't. But I've heard many things about it. And I've seen it pop up on HBO Max um, here and there. Um, yeah, but I have not seen uh, it. I would honestly have to like <laughs> pretty much every time that I have a chance to talk about TV I, over the over the last six months, I've talked about how great this show is. So I won't bore our audience with hearing it again. <laughs> but what I will just say is, Michaela Cole manages to handle the most complicated and thorny social issues that we have like around like race and around celebrity and around consent and the gender dynamics between men and women and all of that stuff which is just so like radioactive for whenever people try to touch it she just handles it in a way that i've just never seen done before she has a deafness and a skill that is honestly like genius level that's the only way that i could talk about it it's just so remarkable what she's able to achieve um, talking about these very, very complicated and like potent issues. And it just ends up creating this piece of art that feels incredibly relevant and important and also uh, funny and emotionally engaging and really upsetting at times and really cathartic at other times. And it's just the most necessary series that came out this year. So I really recommend everyone check it out. Um, if they can. It is, as you said, available on HBO Max in addition to HBO. Um, And yeah, I'm very excited to see what Michaela Cole does next because it's really incredible what what she was able to accomplish. And she had a show a couple years ago that was on Netflix called Chewing Gum. Did you get a chance to see any of that at all? No, I haven't. I haven't even heard of that. Okay, yeah, I haven't watched it either, but it did kind of get, um, it got some publicity around the time. Like people liked it, but it didn't kind of meet the level of acclaim that this did um and that i believe is like a little bit lighter it's more about like a young like a teenage girl wanting to have sex for the first time being kind of awkward um kind of you know similar to a bunch of stuff that netflix kind of gets into um Mm -hmm. but but yeah this this series is just phenomenal um another show uh tackling a lot of similar issues is a show called normal people which debuted on hulu over the summer uh regular listeners to this podcast will know that we talked about this series um i had guest uh matt taylor on to discuss it so we've talked in depth about normal people um so if you want to hear why i love it so much go back check out that episode from from the spring uh but it's just tremendous it's based off of a book it's really about these two 
these two young people in Ireland who sort of developed this really um, emotionally intimate relationship with each other. And uh, it, tra- it follows them. It starts out in height there in high school. Uh, the, and there's sort of there's a certain power dynamic in that relationship. And as they grow and change and their uh, surroundings and social statuses grow and change over the course of their 20s, um, that dynamic just shifts and upends and moves around. But it's just really um, the one connection for these people are each other. And it's and it's really, really powerful. The acting in it is tremendous. And it's just it's just really fantastic. I mean, you have Hulu now. I really recommend you checking this out as well. Yeah, it sounds like I got some things to watch over the next few weeks. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's the perfect kind of show to watch if you're just like kind of looking for something sad and sweet and romantic. Um, and also like very, you know, emotionally honest in, in ways that can be sometimes a little uncomfortable, but never too abrasive or off-putting. It's like it's definitely yeah. your safe hands, which is nice. And it features like two incredible lead performances. Uh, by Daisy Edgar Jones and Paul Mescal. Um, and they are really, they're so fantastic on this series that they are 100% stars on the rise. So like watching this will really get have you kind of like buy stock early on these actors because I think we're going to be seeing a lot of them in the next, in the next few years. Um, moving on to our best returning show, of the year um i wanted to know this is kind of i mean this is probably the most self-explanatory of all of the categories that we're working with today (laughs) it's basically just a show that uh has come back for another season and how that season held up and i think that uh it's interesting because in this world of this new world of tv with so much streaming and so much like fuzzy like mini series events and with high profile actors and directors and stuff I feel like the normal sort of just oh it's a it's a show that's coming back for its fourth season and what are our characters going to get up to feels like it's becoming like smaller and smaller part of what it means to be part of the tv conversation um but you know once upon a time this was what dominated tv you know whether it was uh sitcoms that everybody liked to watch that went 10 seasons deep or you know prestige dramas like the sopranos or mad men or breaking bad uh and Mm -hmm. it feels like this weirdly you know it's kind of fallen into the background so i'm I'm very curious for you what your favorite returning series of the year was all right so um a returning series of mine um one that i grew up watching as a kid and i absolutely loved it was Animaniacs. Um, this returned to Hulu, I think in November, so not too long ago, actually. And um, it just felt like it never left. Like, it was, like, the same thing, but with more social commentary and talk about, like, reboots and remakes and had, like, some political jokes in there as well. But everything that I loved about the Animaniacs from a kid... Um, with the three characters and all the wacky moments that were in there. It was one that I was looking forward to. And, um, you know, some of the shows that do return don't really have that same charm that they had when they were previously going. Um, but the Animaniacs was one that I felt like it was the same thing, just, you know, newer animation style, more brighter looking but the jokes were still there 
the characters still felt the same. Everything I loved about the Animaniacs was there within this season. And, um, you know, I'm disappointed with how many episodes we did get. I want just like a bunch more because it's something that I did love growing up. And, um, you know, I was excited to check it out and definitely impressed me with how they were able to kind of maintain that charm and bring it back once again. Sure. Yeah, I grew up watching the Animaniacs, and I was I was a big fan of it at the time. I especially loved the fact that like so much of the show was them kind of like bouncing around the Warner Brothers lot, and like I just mm-hmm. loved that idea when I was a kid. Um, I have not checked out this the return uh, of the series, uh, but I've heard some good things. Um, our we actually one of our reviewers for at the Prop Break reviewed it um, about a month ago. And his biggest complaint was that there was just not enough of the supporting cast that we yeah. came to know and love back in the day. Mm-hmm. I was curious, like, what you feel about that as a big Animaniacs fan. Well, you still got, like, um, Pinky in the Brain with every episode. But some of the smaller characters that we did get within the original series, I felt like, yeah, I would agree that they were, it were lacking and that part of the series, but I was happy that, you know, Pinky and Brain did come back because they were such a huge part of that series and they were able to return too for this one. But, you know, there were some other characters that we didn't get, um, which was a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Well, I mean, this definitely was a big success, so I'll be curious if they decide to bring back some, some of the characters for a second season because it definitely seems like we're going to be getting a second season of the reboot for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it dominated the internet for about a week when it came out. So that was, uh, that's always a good sign for a season two. Um, as for me, my favorite, my favorite returning show is a show called my brilliant friend. It is the second season of this series. It's an Italian show. Uh, it's bro- it, um, originally broadcast in Italy and then it comes over to HBO. It's very kind of like off the radar in a lot of ways, I think probably because it's not an English language show, but it's based on the Alana Ferrante uh, Neapolitan novels, which were huge, huge novels about a decade ago in like literary circles. I did not read them at the time, but I have been just infatuated by this series. It's a show that's basically, it's about these two young girls who grow up in post-war Italy uh, in like the 50s and uh, they kind of live in a ghetto and uh, they're both very, very gifted academically, but one of them has a family who is able to uh, allow them to continue on into high school and college and kind of explore what that academic gift could bring for her. And the other uh, girl is not afforded that same luxury and has to work and kind of gets swept up into a marriage with a member of the mafia and sort of just like charts their separating paths. And, uh, and they're it just, it's a series that, uh, and I should say, and along the way, they still maintain a friendship, although it becomes contentious from time to time. And, and they sort of have these like periods of time when they are very close and periods of time where they drift away from each other um, in the way that a lot of friendships work. And I think that's what, the biggest strength of this series is is just how uh, well the creators really kind of explore the inner dynamics of a friendship like this uh, when people's statuses and situations can, uh, diverge so greatly. 
Um, and when uh, and another uh, feature, which I did talk about this on the TV break, is just that these two young women just look at their friend who they love and are and only see their own flaws reflected back at them in the sense of like everything that uh, they think that the other one is great at, they feel they're not as good. And there's this comp- there's this real competitive nature to them. Uh, that is that is very compelling to watch and I think relatable for a lot of people. So I really strongly recommend checking that out. I know some people aren't crazy about subtitles and things like that, and I understand that. <laughs> but it is a really it is a really great great series. And along the way, it's really tightly focused on these two characters. But along the way, you get so much rich detail about the world that they're inhabiting and. And it's just so well realized. The books were written um, as like a semi memoir by the by the author, and it really shows the level of detail that they that she gives to all of the background characters and all of the little tiny pieces that make this world feel so rich. Um, my second favorite returning show of the year uh, is a little bit less off the radar. <laughs> uh, it's a show called Better Call Saul. It came back for its fifth season on AMC all the way back in February, which feels like another lifetime ago. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just a fantastic series. It's honestly like, I don't know if you have you ever watched this series or watched Breaking Bad, which is the spinoff uh, that this series is a spinoff of. You know, I always wanted to. Uh, I did last year watch about half of Breaking Bad. I don't know, it's just, when I, I watch a lot of shows, and um, my wife and I tend to watch, like, The Office and Parks and Rec, like, on repeat all the time. Sure. And so we were like, <laughs> let's watch Breaking Bad. So we start watching Breaking Bad, and every time we watch, like, The Office, we always take, like, a two-week break at some point within it. I feel like we took a break for Breaking Bad and never got back to it. Um, oh. But I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, but at that time, the, se- the series was already over. Um, so mm-hmm. we, were just kind of, we were going through it on Netflix. I think we were trying to watch it before the movie came out um, okay. on Netflix. So, but we, sure. never, we never finished it. Um, but at some point, we will. And I know that Better Call Saul is um, people really like it. Um, I just haven't got to finishing Breaking Bad first. But I've, yeah. I've started it. I've, I've started it. Um, That's just, good. <laughs> I need to finish it. It's a. It can be a heavy show. It also is a show that really grows. Um, it def, it's it finishes much better than it starts. Um, if that's a little a bit of encouragement to kind of stick with it. Um, and I think that Better Call Saul ends up following a similar arc in that you know the first few seasons were undeniably good, but they definitely felt like there was something missing, at least for me personally. And I feel like the show has just grown and grown and grown. Um, to a point where it just is really, really fantastic. It does it does what it does better than any other show on TV. Um, and it just features just incredible uh, performances by these actors led by Bob Odenkirk, but not limited to him at all. Um, and it just it's just such a richly rewarding show. And I know so many people who actually have seen Breaking Bad and love Breaking Bad and never gave, Better Call Saul a shot because it's a sort of spin-off. It's mostly a prequel, but there's a little bit of a sequel aspect to it as well. Um, and as I said, it kind of started off a little bit not on the surest foot. And I think people were just like, ah, I don't really feel like I need to watch that. 
Um, but I, it really, really has grown into one of the best dramas on TV. And it's, you know, its final season is going to be coming out um, either this year or the following year. I don't know. It might be coming out like late, late 2021 or it might have to wait until uh, 2022. But it's, it's on the horizon. And it's just I'm very excited to see where it ends up, because where this series is right now is as strong as it's ever been. It's finally like on the same level of quality as as the original Breaking Bad series. So I really, I really think that anybody who's been watched, who watched that show and never really gave Better Call Saul a shot, go, all of the seasons are up on Netflix, check it out, like make your way through the first like season and a half. And then, and then it really just kind of like opens up and becomes just an incredible series. I did get to the point in Breaking Bad when he was introduced. So I did, I did get into the series. And so I just, it's something that um, I've been really busy with checking out new Netflix shows pretty much like every week. And so um, it's something that I'll probably try to get to finish next year. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I feel like there was a time when you could just be like, oh, I'm going to pick a show that everybody said was great five or 10 years ago, and I'm just going to watch all of it. And it's going to take me like, you know, a couple months, but it's going to be really rewarding and enriching and it's going to be great. And like, that's what so many people use Netflix for. And now there's just so much new content every single month that like, Mm -hmm. it just, it feels like it's just enough that you could sort through all of the new things. The idea of like going back and watching like seven seasons of a drama from 10 years ago just seems like insane. So (laughs) I completely understand why it's hard to kind of fit that in, but I definitely would recommend it because it's just, I mean, if you don't get to Better Call Saul, at least finish Breaking Bad because it really ends just so amazingly. Um, and then you can watch the movie, which was very good as well, which was on Netflix last fall called El Camino, um, which is a direct kind of sequel to the uh, to the end of Breaking Bad specifically. Um, OK, so now we're going to move on to our final segment. Uh, and this is kind of a fun one. It's kind of like very open ended. We can kind of take it in a lot of different directions. I'm curious how Justin will. Um, but it's basically what our biggest surprise that was for the TV season of 2020. Um, there's been a lot of sort of ups and downs. A lot of shows kind of came out with a lot of buzz and kind of uh, sputtered out. Some shows kind of came out of nowhere to take over the world, like Queen's Gambit, for instance, recent example. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious, but we had a lot of streaming services launch and some of them launched much better than others. So Across all of that, what was your biggest surprise of 2020? Uh, this was an easy pick for me. I'm just, I was trying to think about what month it came out. I think it came out in August. Um, and I was so disappointed that they canceled it. Um, it's a one-season c- series on Netflix called Teenage Bounty Hunters. Um, uh-huh. yeah. And... Uh, there there was just there was just something about it like i i can't explain that like i just i absolutely loved it i i thought it was so funny the characters were so interesting to watch um and it was about these these twins who um get mistaken for being bounty hunters but they're teenagers and they kind of get caught up in this world of being bounty hunters, but they absolutely enjoy it. And um, they start to learn things about themselves. 
and we get to learn a lot about them as they grow throughout the series. But they are um, s- such likable characters, and um, their chemistry is so good in the series. The two actresses who play them, these twins, uh, they're they're so fun to watch, and I I laughed constantly throughout the series. Um, it was one like I binged in a day when I I checked it out, and I was like I was like told everyone like you need to check this series out it's like it's not going to be like a series at the end of the year that's going to be like oh this is like one of the best series ever and it's not going to win like a bunch of awards but for me it was like i was very surprised with not expecting much from it going into it how much i love the characters how much i love the story how much i loved like the humor within it and like their eagerness to like try to be bounty hunters when they're trying to balance school and who they are and um jobs and everything it's just it was a lot and i i so disappointed that they canceled the show um it was by far one of my favorite shows of the year and one of the shows i laughed at the most and correct me if i'm wrong but doesn't it end on a bit of a cliffhanger yeah it does and it's like it's like it sucks that they didn't want to uh continue for another season or at least like give us like half of the episodes or just not like a conclusion to it yeah i know a lot of people were just like were hoping that they could at least get like a a final like movie length conclusion to the series if nothing else um this is a show that i actually have not seen but i heard so many great things about it it was one of those things that came out as you said, in August, and there's a lot kind of going on, and I didn't quite catch up to it, and by the time I was going to, then all of a sudden, word came out, it was canceled and not coming back, and it's like, well, I don't know if it's even worth sort of going through that experience if we can't kind of, like, have a, a satisfying conclusion, but would you say that it is? Like, it, would you be, would you still recommend people checking it out, even if, um, even if that they can't see where it ends up going? Yeah, because the journey is still a lot of fun. Um, these these characters come from like a rich background and like their parents expect a lot from them so this is kind of like a a way to like do their things on their own and they have like the job that they um like it's a disguise for them and everything but it's just fun to watch them these two these two young girls who you don't think would have any skills at being a bounty hunter uh kind of learn things along the way and um be pretty good at it too yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds great. I know a lot of people compared it to like this generation's Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that, like in in terms of tone and, and genre and stuff. It was executive yeah. produced by by Genji uh, Cohen, who a lot of people know her work from like Weeds and Orange Is the New Black and Glow. So she's a, she's a creator that I love and I've loved everything that she's done. So I'm surprised that I didn't watch it as soon as it came out. <laughs> but um, you know, 2020 is a weird year. Um, but yeah, this sounds like a great pick. Mine is kind of similar to that, actually. Um, it's kind of, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't narrow it down. I had to pick two surprises, but they're sort of similar in, in that there are two projects that I heard about and I thought, oh, that's a terrible idea. That's going to be bad. That's like, just going to be like fan service, kind of like bad, awkward, like not a good idea. It's, it's just like corporations trying to like exploit a brand and and it's going to be a disaster uh and then i was completely wrong (laughs) so and i ended up loving both of them so 
The, fir the first would be uh, the Peacock reboot of Saved by the Bell. Have you gotten a chance to watch any of this? No. I, I A while ago, I watched like one season of Saved by the Bell. It wasn't something I watched when I was younger. Um, okay. And I've seen, I've heard some mixed things about it. And I've seen like a lot of commercials for it. Because I do have Xfinity. And I, I, I started watching some shows on Peacock when they first started their streaming service, like Brave New World. Um, but I just had the idea, like, oh, I haven't watched Jenny Say by the Bell. I won't watch the reboot. But I like to, like, pay attention to see what people, like, thought about it. And it was kind of mixed. Like, I heard some people really, really liked it. Some people just didn't really care for it. I think that even if you haven't watched the original show, there's a lot to like in it because uh, it's it really balances the the origins of where it comes from and sort of like bringing a fresh new vibe to it. I definitely grew up watching the show. Um, I I don't have a ton of memories of watching the show though. It was definitely one of those things where like I watched it when I was very young, like when it was on in reruns on like TBS on like uh, you know random times during the weekend and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. so there's like a fondness, but not like a lot of like, I remember the plots and the, and like all of the characters and stuff. So, um, I would not at all call myself a Save by the Bell super fan. Um, and, uh, and I just loved this show so much. It def it's not going to make my top 20 of the year, but it's definitely like a major also ran, uh, because it just is such a, it's such a smart way to reboot this series and it's so, and it executes it so well. Uh, basically like the idea is like the original Saint by the Bell was very cartoonish. It was sort of like a live action uh, cartoon of a series in that it was set, um, it, like it was a Saturday morning show. It was definitely pitched at like a younger audience about teenagers and uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of like wacky, like eighties sitcom antics that go on and what this show based what the reboot does is kind of basically recast all of that like zaniness is just like the way that super rich people act <laughs> in the same sort of way that like if you've ever watched 30 rock like the way that they kind of like talk about like jack donahue and all of his sort of like uh peers and like how it's just like very cartoonish how how over the top um like the world of rich people is um and that that the fact that it reminds me so much of 30 Rock in a lot of ways is makes sense because the creator, uh, Tracy Wingfield, was a writer for 30 Rock. Um, and I think there's definitely like a similar sensibility. Um, and it also just like at the end of the day has really compelling characters that are just very fun to watch. Um, the premise of this is basically that Bayside High is where the original Save by the Bell takes place. Um, and it turns out Zach Morris, who is like the main original kid of the original series, like he has become governor um, through hijinks and basically like accidentally cuts a bunch of um, important public school funding. And then as a way to try to like make good with the public, he promises to send all of the kids from the underprivileged school districts whose schools were shut down uh, to very like wealthy high income uh, high schools. And so we get these these three uh, characters who are from a very grounded real world uh, kind of brought into the bay, the bay side of Saved by the Bell. Um, and it's a major culture shock and there's a lot of kind of comedy from that. And uh, yeah, I think that you should definitely check it out. The first 
episode of it is free even for people who aren't xfinity or or peacock um subscribers and i think you'll know from the first episode whether this is your vibe or not it's definitely not for everyone but it is much 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 better than i expected because i expected it to be a disaster when i heard the plot yeah. <laughs> um and i will say my other show as i said was another kind of similar thing and that is dc universe's uh harley quinn animated series uh, have you gotten a chance to watch any of this? This series was on DC Universe. It had two seasons of it over the course of this last year, basically. Uh, part of season one was at the very end of last year, and but most of season one and season two aired this year on DC Universe. And then uh, when HBO Max launched, it kind of moved over to HBO Max. That's where I saw all of it. Um, have you gotten a chance to watch any of this? No, I haven't. But kind of like, um, it's like say with it though, I've heard a lot of, things about it on twitter people like were ready to watch it every week it came out and like really fell in love with the series mm-hmm. yeah it definitely i mean <laughs> i could see some comic book fans who take things very seriously maybe brushing up against the sort of irreverent quality that harley quinn has um they certainly uh <laughs> are not afraid to uh, turn some very serious Batman characters into very silly, uh, <laughs> very yeah, silly ones. I've seen from it. But yeah, and so I could see if you are like a hardcore comic book fan being offended by that. But truly, it is just so fun and funny, and it, it's so fresh. And if you appreciate like just a bold new vision for this world of Gotham that we've been stuck inside of for the last like I don't know thirty years at this point. <laughs> um, definitely check out this show. I just figured like, oh, Harley Quinn is so popular. They're making an, an adult animated series. It's probably just going to be like her, you know, beating people up with a mallet and like making sex jokes. And like, that sounds awful. And, yeah. and it like literally is that, but it all, but somehow isn't awful at all. It's actually like very funny and very sweet. And like, there's a very uh, strong emotional core to the series about like friendship and about like building relationships and, emotional uh growth um from the harley quinn character that is just like really compelling uh and it also like the two seasons that have aired have these great arcs for her basically the first season starts out with her breaking up with the joker and she has to kind of go through the process of learning how to be her own person and getting outside of the sort of toxic abusive pull that the joker had on her and kind of build a sort of makeshift family of uh, like low rent villains along the way. <laughs> and, uh, and they, she does that and it's really funny and it's really, and it's, and it can be kind of gross and, uh, and violent. Uh, it, they definitely push the sort of R rating. Um, but, and I'm someone who kind of like, doesn't always love that. Um, but it really, it never bothered me because the writing is so good and the, and the performances are so good, specifically uh, Kaylee Cuoco, who plays Harley Quinn, and Lake Bell, who plays Poison Ivy. They're just so, so good. Um, James Adomian plays Bane, and it is just so, so funny what they do to Bane in this show. He's basically like the villain that all of the other villains think is super lame because he just wants to blow stuff up. So they're just like always like talking crap about him um, and just like making him feel small. And he just, <laughs> and James Adomian's performance is just so funny. Uh, so yeah, that's the first season. And the second season is sort of like Harley Quinn has like gotten out from underneath the Joker, and now she wants to be like, she wants to take over 
Gotham and get the respect of her fellow, um, you know, like villains. And in order to do that, she has to kind of like vanquish all of them. And, uh, and because of some things that happened in the end of season one, Gotham is sort of like this wasteland where like all, all like the penguin and Mr. Freeze and stuff have like, like control over various domains of Gotham and, and it's her and her team kind of fighting her way through all of it. So that way she can become the most powerful villain in Gotham. And it's just great. It's just, it's really good. I think that if you like, if you like comic book stuff, but you don't take it too seriously, you're not too precious with it. I think that it would be very, very um, rewarding. They certainly um, make Kite Man and the Condiment King <laughs> characters that are actually very fun that you, and don't seem embarrassing to play with. Um, and yeah, I just really, really, I just, I couldn't believe how much I liked it. And I watched all of it in like a week and a half, both seasons, because I just like blew through it. So yeah. that was a huge surprise. Well, I should definitely check it out. I am a fan of um, Harley Quinn and DC Comics too. So I should, I've been wanting to check it out for a while. It's really, it's really worth your time. I basically like, I watched it during a particularly rough period of the summer where I had no power for like two weeks, and I was mm-hmm. uh, able to kind of like, like when I had brief access to internet, I would like download like a dozen of the episodes to my <laughs> iPad, and that was kind of the only thing that I had, and it really, yeah. it really was a, was a soothing balm <laughs> during a very not fun time. <laughs> Do not recommend losing power for an extended period of time during a pandemic. It's not a great thing. <laughs> but recommend you checking the series out. Absolutely. <laughs> and it, it sounds like it kind of would go would pair sort of nicely with Teenage Bounty, Bounty Hunter. So it's kind of kind of fun that we kind of ended up there together. Yeah, some comedy but, um, towards the end. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, Justin, is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of like the end of? 2020 obviously it's been like tv has been sort of weird in that uh it's the one medium that was not significantly affected by the covid19 pandemic in the same way that like music and movies and like live performances and video games all had to deal with significant delays and cancellations uh tv mostly kind of kept going and kept trucking along so is there any like final thoughts on the year you know, yeah, I've been really impressed with how streaming services have been kind of adapting and still giving us content like Disney Plus and HBO Max and Apple TV and Peacock. And each one has like their own kind of variety of content. And so it's like it's I'm glad that I started to kind of get on board with the streaming service even before the uh, COVID and everything. I'm curious to see. If a lot of things have been kind of shutting down production, at what point for some of these streaming services um, will we start to get like less and less content? Because I've been noticing like from like March to like September, we were getting so many new shows, but those were all kind of things that were being produced even before everything happened. At what point will we, you know, not get as much content? weekly or monthly um in the next few months yeah i mean it seems like like production kind of stopped for in hollywood and georgia and a lot of places where a lot of the 
productions have been going on, it kind of stopped for like maybe about two months, like in the springtime. And then everything kind of kicked back on and it hasn't been slowing down since then. So I think that we're kind of, I think that the, the system as it exists has probably been able to absorb a lot of that. So I think we're seeing like a little bit of a slowdown now, but like not really as much as I was expecting. And, you know, a lot of stuff, especially like network TV and like the CW, all the CW shows, like they're all coming back now after, after instead of September. But we got through September just fine without. Them. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that, and you know, I mean, Disney Plus just announced like a gargantuan amount of high-profile series and. Yeah, not that HBO. many. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so many. I love yeah. watching it all though, like planning everything out. Oh, four hours of that investors call. <laughs> but that's uh, for a yeah. whole nother whole nother conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> but I I do think that like it does sort of uh suggest that as we kind of enter into twenty twenty one, which is insane to even think of, um, because I don't know, it felt like twenty twenty was just never gonna end for a while there. Uh, that TV's about to change in a pretty big way. Like the whole eventizing of television is definitely gonna keep ramping up as the streaming services like keep investing in more like blockbuster esque series. So it'll be interesting to see where things go from here. Um, but until then, thank you, Justin, for coming on. This was a really fun conversation. Well, thank you for having me again. Yeah. Would you like to plug some of your stuff for our audience before we say goodbye? Yeah, um, you guys can find me over at uh, Justin Watches Movies on YouTube. There I review essentially anything I can come across um, from all the streaming services, um, the big ones too, um, and do like ranking videos, tier lists, you know, fun things like that. And I write reviews over at Hotchka.com. There I kind of write like... um, more movie reviews and like blu-ray releases and things like that um so yeah uh, it's been um fun doing some podcasts this year this is the first year i've ever been on podcasts and uh, when we talked about zach efron's show that was the the second time i've ever been on a podcast and i will and i realized like this is kind of fun it's kind of more laid back <laughs> and um you could talk about things in a longer format and not have to like edit like a whole video for it. it's just kind of fun to like just discuss in a more relaxed setting. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I like about it so much is that you can really kind of get into things with people and and take the time to really explore what you really like and don't like about what it is you're talking about. Um, I think that there's, you know, I love the stuff that you do on, on, on your YouTube channel. I think that it's great the way that you can kind of like produce it all and, and it comes out so great, but I do think that there's something to be said about just kind of being able to have a conversation with someone else. And I I think you find things in that, that you don't always find elsewhere. So I'm happy to see that you're kind of uh, becoming a friend of the format and I hope that you uh, can come back on sometime next year. And I, and I definitely hope that there's a lot more movies uh, for you in your future, because of course movies kind of had to take a back seat this year. So yeah. I commend you on on being able to keep that channel going, given all of that. <laughs> yeah, it's been the best year on my channel, and um, I owe it all to like streaming services. <laughs> 
Well, as for me, you can follow my uh, you can follow my film tw- uh, podcast, which I do uh, every other week, called Cinema Joes. Uh, you can follow that at Cinema Joes on Twitter and on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Uh, over the next couple of months, we've been talking about all of our favorite. We've been having guests come on to talk about all of their favorite. Uh, movies and we've been doing in-depth reviews of all of them we've had like Scream and It's a Wonderful Life and Vertigo and Before Sunset um, and Point Break we did uh, last week so it's a lot of diversity of, of, of movies that we've been covering and uh, it's been a lot of fun to, to record those uh, kind of taking walks down memory lane um, <laughs> and uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Media Thinkings uh, on Letterbox at Media Thinkings, and uh, you can follow me at uh, my stuff on Pop Break TV, which you're listening to right now, where I also host TV Break, as I said. Um, also on, t- on Pop Break TV, we have uh, Lovey Live, Laughed, and, and Lovey, our podcast about reality shows and and dramas, uh, hosted by Lovey McPherson. Right now, they're gonna they took a little bit of a break, but they're gonna be uh, kicking back up with. Uh, reviews of Power Book 2, The Ghost, now that it's back from its hiatus. So that's going to be fun. Um, we also have uh, Roses and Rejections, uh, which is hosted by DJ and Michelle, uh, talking all about all of the ups and downs of the Bachelor franchise. Um, and uh, and we also have the, we have, uh, the Anniversary Brothers talking about uh, their favorite uh, TV shows that are celebrating an anniversary that month. And uh, Blurred Watching, uh, with um, Marshall and Courtney, uh, where they talk about the blurdy side of TV. Uh, so once again, Justin, thanks for coming on. Thanks for helping me uh, end this this very unique year in television. <laughs> uh, thanks you for inviting me once again. All right, and uh, for everyone else, we'll see you next month. <laughs>